0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
1: Hi there, and thank you for joining us for another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice here on Cannabis Radio. This is your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications and Projects Manager at NCIA. And today, we have a guest all the way from the state of Maine. Uh, Glenn Peterson also sits on our Board of Directors at NCIA. And out in Maine, he operates a medical dispensary called Canuvo. And in 2010, he was awarded one of the only eight licenses in Maine for both cultivating and dispensing medical cannabis. Hi, Glenn. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Bethany. Wonderful to be here.
1: It's so nice to have you. So you were the former president of the Maine Association of Dispensary Owners, which means that you were very involved in both authoring and lobbying for some of the successful legislative bills to improve Maine's cannabis program. Can you just talk about that for a minute to give our listeners a little bit more background on your involvement in, in Maine cannabis?
2: I was president of the association for the first two years. I am currently the vice president of Meadow. And yes, over the beginning four or five years of the program here, we had submitted about a dozen bills and passed in order to make the program better. One of the examples is that we were not allowed to have tradesmen on the premise, it was only employees, corporate officers, and board members, and if we had an, an air conditioning emergency, we were out of luck, and oh, it goodness. took two sessions to get tradesmen in and then elected officials so they could come and see what we were up to, And but no, it's, it's always a fight to improve the program.
1: Got it, yeah. So. Currently, we're obviously excited about some parts of the election being that we have four new adult-use cannabis states and four new medical marijuana states, and Maine was very successful this election cycle, so congratulations. Can you talk about what the campaign process was like this last year leading up to getting that ballot initiative passed and working with both Marijuana Policy Project, um, as well as the local groups.
2: Well, Knockwood, we are undergoing a recount right now. They've completed the first week and have done 15% of the votes here in Maine, which are all paper. And there has been little movement, and we're hoping that the uh, other side concedes mm-hmm. because this costs us as taxpayers a half a million dollars to uh, pull off
1: Sure, and it was a really, really tight uh, count. I, I believe it was only a few thousand votes that are the winning count for this ballot initiative. Is that right?
2: It was 4,402 vote difference,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but
2: it, it is considered mathematically impossible to overcome. And as soon as the no-on-one crowd uh, concedes, then we can start to get this thing going. But it started two years ago. There was a local group called Legalize Maine. They had written a referendum proposal, started to collect signatures. MPP and David Boyer, who's the state coordinator, were also collecting signatures. But the problem was if you have two efforts, you probably will fail Mm because you're going to split the votes. Certainly. And thankfully, karma heads prevailed and the legalized main local language was the one that was accepted. MPP withdrew their referendum, but agreed to take over the uh, campaign with staff and funding for media buys. And we were able to work together and pull this thing off by the skin of our teeth.
1: <laughs> That's great, yeah uh, marijuana policy project has been involved in passing both medical and adult use programs in various states across the country. They're really the 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 national force in changing the laws um, and then once those laws get changed in those states, national cannabis industry association becomes much more relevant to those uh, citizens of that state um, so, It's really exciting to see MPP understanding that working with the local groups, legalize Maine, is going to be the best way to make change. So congratulations with that. Um, So we were talking about the recall that's happening, and you were saying that's going kind of slow. Is that the status at this point here?
2: Well, if it takes 15, if it takes five days of counting to do 15%, this could drag on for eight weeks. And at at some stage, if they complete it, then uh, the next phase of it will be the legislature in Maine is come back into session. I'm sure there will be amendments and laws submitted to change the program because the referendum was 22 pages. Mm -hmm. And now you've got to fill in the details. How do we make this all work?
1: And you're going to be there every step of the way, I assume.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping to be asked what I think, um, mm-hmm. and we'll be lobbying for uh, what I think is a, a a good approach to this.
1: Okay. So, going back to the past a little bit, talking about the previously existing medical program in Maine, what, what has that looked like, and how has that been working
2: in 1999, there was a referendum passed that created the medical program. Patients could grow their own, or they could have caregivers grow it for them. Caregivers were limited to five patients. In 2009, there was a second referendum that created the dispensary program, and there were eight dispensaries put up for bid, and there was a competitive process via each health district, so we were one of 12 applications for District 1, and in the second round, actually, we uh, obtained our license back in September of 2010.
1: Oh, great. So this was uh, based on merit in the selection criteria. It was not a lottery. Is that correct?
2: Correct. It was oh. uh, merit-based, and we scored a nineties. 90- four, I believe, out of a hundred.
1: Very good. Um, So you've been involved since the beginning there. And uh, tell us a little bit more about Canuvo and and, uh, the values of your business and why it's important to you to be part of the cannabis industry.
2: Well, Canuvo started off very underfunded. We had no idea what we were getting into. And we just started to make it up as we went along. My wife, Sage, who is now the CEO, was there from the beginning. She helped with the application. And we looked around for the first appropriate place to cultivate. And when we couldn't find one, we brought it back to the farm where my wife and I live. And we started to buy 48-foot refrigerated tractor trailers. And we started to grow in one, and the first one paid for the second. And within four years, we were up to eight flowering trailers and one veg trailer. And we had also purchased a condominium, a medical condominium, which shaped the direction that the dispensary took because it was a series of small rooms. And we, we didn't want the bank model where you go to a counter and there are lines behind you, we decided to use separate dispensary rooms so you could close the door, talk about your erectile dysfunction in private, <laughs> and be able to I ask mean, sorry, any questions not funny. that you want. Well,
1: <laughs> I, okay. It's my best
2: example of a medical condition you may not want to discuss in front of crowds.
1: I totally understand. So so definitely, you're definitely giving more of a one-on-one experience with your patients rather than funneling them through a line. Okay, got right. it.
2: And we were also never able to, until recently, meet the demand. We had waiting lists and we didn't want to thin the soup any further and wanted to make sure that our patients that we were dealing with were covered. So we would hold back the pony and and do the best we can. That My patients have found that about 7 grams of cannabis flour uh, it works for them for their medicine for a week. We also offer all sorts of tinctures and infused oils and edibles and capsules. And we have uh, tried to create a cannabis lifestyle as a way to combat their patients' malaise. And because caregivers are still providing for other patients, but they are more of a um, – uh, if you are looking to buy quantity of cannabis, then a caregiver at the time was the person you should go see because, as I say, if I sell an ounce to someone, it, it, I would rather sell four quarters to four people – than to sell to someone using an ounce for something more recreational i believe that smoking is a wasteful process that a lot of the medicine dissipates into the air there are 200 megs of cannabinoids in a gram and that's two joints and four hours of relief but if i concentrate that and i'm 75 percent efficient i can capture 150 of those megs i can then make 15 10-meg doses, and if two 10-meg doses keeps you out of pain during the day, well, that's seven and a half days' worth of medicine for the same amount of starting product. Got and it. And so,
1: Yeah, so great. Let us take a really quick break so we can hear some fun commercials, and then we'll come back and jump into some more questions with Glenn from Canuvo in Maine.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will
3: return once we give a voice to our sponsors. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay
4: surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K
2: dot com.
4: yourself a joy. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah. Get it on Android and I and IOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
5: Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's Premium CBD Essentials and CBD Nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 First Responder and Stage 4 Cancer Survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.canosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C A N N A I S S E U R Brands.com.
3: How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Get informed,
0: get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Okay, and we are back for NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice here on Cannabis Radio. If you're just tuning in, uh, we are talking with Glenn Peterson from Canuvo, a medical dispensary based in Maine, all the way up there in the Northeast. Um, And we've been talking a bit about the laws that hopefully will be going into effect in Maine once the recall recount is completed, and talking a little bit about the existing medical program in Maine and how Glenn's been involved in that. So, welcome back, Glenn. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you. So, we were talking about um, the way that you serve your patients, and you were talking a little bit about the edibles and tinctures that you're able to provide your patients. And since you're in the state of Maine, those are those edibles and tinctures you make yourself, is that right?
2: We are required to by state law. We are vertically integrated, so we do all the cultivation, we do all the manufacturing, and then all the retail.
1: Mm-hmm. And that could change as the laws get implemented where it would open up for uh, for folks to make their own edibles companies or tinctures companies. Is that correct?
2: Well, th- the adult use program and the medical program will run in parallel form so under adult use if we and the dispensaries have preference for a cultivation license a manufacturing license and a retail license and a retail license can purchase from any wholesaler they wish
1: okay got it so If we assume that question one passes uh, 100% after the recount, how do you see the industry in Maine going? How do you see it growing?
2: Well, it's going to be a long process. The Department of Agriculture has been the one chosen by the referendum to come up with the rules and regulations The coming session, I know that there will be attempts to put it under different um, other governing bodies. There is BABLO, it's the alcohol, tobacco, lottery side of things. Sure. Uh, But once those rules are written with the legislator's input, that could be, goodness, uh, a year from now. Certainly. Then you would have the... Uh, license application period open up. That will take a couple of months for people to fill that out. Uh, The the licenses applications will be reviewed and selected and once a provisional license is issued, you'll be able to go to your municipality, deal with the local zoning laws and change of use permits, build an approach Appropriate building for your cultivation or manufacturing or mm-hmm. retail and then it's another six months plus for the cultivators to get online from seed to finished product and then at that stage we will have the first legal sales in Maine but it will be probably 2018 to 2019 before it's implemented there is a Oops. talk of the medical dispensaries, the aid of us being allowed to sell adult use early, since okay. we are regulated and inspected, it would be a way to uh, put us slowing down to the black market, which undoubtedly will pop up because 30 days after the votes are certified by the governor, the law goes into effect. Citizens will be able to grow their six female flowering harvestable plants at home yeah. and possess two and a half ounces on their person.
1: Right. So, you know, it is so interesting how when these we, these laws pass on election day, uh, a lot of folks are, you know, anticipating, great, so tomorrow, uh, but often it, it takes a year or longer uh, because there's just still so much to do on the back end that wasn't included in the initiative itself. Um, so it's, it's certainly interesting how these, these laws take effect. So I guess you're not able to predict exactly how to scale your business at this point because you have to wait and see how it's going to all work out in, in the actual language. Or do you already kind of have some plans about your growth?
2: Well, I guess with the assumption that we have a preference in the coming adult use side of things, you can start to plan as a dispensary for accommodating that. If you aren't a dispensary and you aren't uh, given a license, it may be foolish to anticipate that you will get one of them. The canopy cap for the state of Maine Uh, according to the referendum, is 800,000 square foot of canopy. 60% of the 800,000 will be allotted to uh, cultivators who will utilize between 3,000 and 30,000 square foot of canopy, and 40% will be 3,000. And less square foot in canopy. Okay. So there's only about 130, 150 small growers will be licensed and 13 to 18 large scale licenses uh, provided. So yeah. it's uh, not that much, but it, there are provisions to increase those numbers depending on different matrix. Um, so it, it, I'm sure it will open up in the future. But uh, we have a new building that we have acquired it has got 118,000 square feet.
4: Congratulations. So have, <laughs> thank
2: you very much. We were uh, now in a position to put together a full-scale adult if we get a license. If not, we have unlimited canopy under the Medical Marijuana Act in Maine. It's based on the number of patients that you serve.
1: Got it. So, so uh, I'm curious, how many patients would, would you say you estimate that you currently serve?
2: We were able to do about 1,500 out of the eight tractor trailers. Whoa! And now it's with uh, the new build-out, we are three times the um, uh, harvests that we used to do. Okay. And we're up to 25 patients, but we're about to take out our first ad because we've never advertised and uh, always had a waiting list, but that has now been uh, worked through.
1: Okay, so, yeah. got it. So you said 1,500 patients previously, and now it's up to yeah,
2: 2,500.
1: 2,500, okay. So I you mentioned that your wife Sage is the COO of Canuvo. How nice that you have a family business and you are a true mom and pop shop up there in Maine.
2: Well, I was the first grower and the first trimmer and the first bud tender. And <laughs> so, I keep finding people who do things much better than I and I keep firing myself. Uh, <laughs> A couple of years ago, Sage would do a much better job as the CEO. She is in charge of Canuvo now. Uh, My daughter is the COO. Her fiancé is our plant um, director, physical plant. My sister, who is an RN, runs the dispensary for us. And my son does our social media work.
1: And Incredible. So
2: it well, it's the only way that we could do it because we were underfunded and did not want to accept investor money that included giving up any equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't mind paying interest, but to give up any portion. We couldn't figure out how to do it within a not-for-profit organization. Anyway, we're we're a condo association in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, under adult use, we will be able to be a for-profit corporation, and so we'll have to form a Canuvo.com compared to a Canuvo.org, like we are now, I guess.
1: Gotcha. Well, we are going to take another quick break and then we'll come back and finish out our last segment here with Glenn. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be right back after the break.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
5: Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com Improve your lifestyle naturally.
3: The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show. The largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and in technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannovation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at seedtosaleshow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sales Show, January 31st and February 1st. Seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418.
4: Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild.
0: Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: We are back for NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking with Glenn Peterson in Maine, in the northeast of the United States, who's a dispensary owner, and we've been talking about his business as well as the laws that will be changing hopefully in Maine toward the adult use side of cannabis. So Glenn, we've been talking quite a bit about predictions for the future and how things are gonna work out. As far as the people in Maine who are thinking about getting into the industry, uh, do you have any advice for them as they dip their toe into the wild, wild west world of cannabis? and also why it's important to join NCIA if you are thinking of getting into the industry.
2: I, I am the only person who tells people they should not get into the industry. <laughs> that uh, You look at Maryland with 900 applicants for 125 uh, dispensary spots, and it, there's going to be a lot of disappointed folks. Unless you are in this for the plant, to honor the plant and to make it more medically available, that you are committed to this program. It, It is the time to make proof of concept, to prove that cannabis is a better alternative than pharmaceuticals, not to make a whole lot of money. That will come down the road as we mature and figure this all out, but you have to be dedicated to the plant. And it is – I I just caution people who want to get into it. The first thing I ask is, what's your 280E strategy? And when (laughs) they don't know an answer for that, I say, my mother's calling. I got to go and move on. But nowadays with adult use, you will have to be part of a syndicate, that you will have to have someone who is a master grower – someone who can put together your management team. You'd have to have your money people and have all of these agreements worked out ahead of time. And you have to be able to deal with your municipality where you'd like to locate your uh, establishment. That there is a lot of things. You need good attorneys, good accountants, bookkeepers, compliance officers. It It is a business... And unless you know how to run a business, you shouldn't think about getting into this because it is not easy at all. Plus, right now we face 10 years minimum mandatory because this is still federally illegal. And you're not allowed to use as defense in a federal court the fact that you're a state licensed cannabis producer.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It is
2: not uh, admissible. So, uh,
1: yes. The risk is still very high. The challenges are still very great. And it is not a cash cow in the way people may think, right?
2: Oh, we uh, just were looking at our tax situation for the previous year. And my accountant tells me we are paying an effective tax rate of 80 to 90%. That as long as you continue to build out and expand... You create a lot of cost of goods, which is the only deduction we can take. The dispensary side of things, you cannot take any of the expenses that are associated with that. Right. So you've got to be yes. very careful.
1: That's true, and the work NCIA does at the federal level uh, includes reforming Section 280E of the tax code, which you're exactly right. Many cannabis businesses are paying 70, 80, oh, 90, that is rough, percent percent effective tax rate. Uh, so we are working to amend uh, that part of the tax code so that it would be exempting Legal marijuana programs in those states, uh, rather than all Schedule One and Two drugs, and of course we would also like to see cannabis taken off that list of controlled substances, which would fix 280E as well. Uh, so, Glenn, I'm sure you know you are looking at your tax returns and hoping that we can work with Congress more in the coming years and. Try to get that fixed.
2: The cost of a membership with NCIA is so minuscule compared to the amount of savings that we would have if we were able to eliminate 280E or, as you say, deschedule it so it's more like uh, tobacco and alcohol, that the return is so significant and... It's part of the maturing of the industry. You need to have trade representation. I I know our three lobbyists down in D.C. are working tirelessly, and it is very important to be a member and support the efforts of NCIA. I I can't say more uh, about how important it is to join NCIA if you are actually a a player in this community.
1: And we appreciate that you are so supportive of NCIA, and you have even been elected to our board of directors, meaning that you have an even greater role in supporting NCIA's work, spreading the word, and ensuring that we're able to represent the industry. And speaking of Washington, D.C., as we get into the last minute or two here of our program, um, I know you've been to NCIA's annual member lobby days in D.C., and you were there this last year as well. Is that right?
2: I've done two of them. I missed last year because of the build-out we had going on, but I've done two of the last three.
1: And how was that experience for you, meeting with the offices of the members of Congress?
2: It is fascinating because most people, they have preconceived notions. I, I explain to people that cannabis is not rolling big joints. It is utilizing the plant through measured, dosable delivery systems that in Maine, there is so much pot up here, anyone who wants to get stoned is doing it, but it's <laughs> But the veterans, the elderly, the blue-collar folks who will be using the topicals and other non flower delivery systems are the folks who will benefit going on. Prohibition sort of created that need to be able to roll joints because we didn't have extraction equipment like Eden Labs available to us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have labs that could test the concentrate so we could actually accurately dose it in our different delivery system. So this so, is
1: important to tell members of Congress about how sophisticated we've become in in this new era.
2: You have to purposely decarboxylate the raw plant to make it an intoxicant. And if you don't do that and leave it in the acid form THCA, CBDA, you can bring all kinds of benefit to the patient. You can add a sub-intoxicating amount of THC. I like to balance my preparations. But it is a, a whole different world. And that's what, and it's, it comes down to us, educating our representatives, ed- educating our elected officials, our planning boards on how we do things. It's up to us to shine a light on this.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Glenn. It's been great catching up with you. And for anybody else interested, we will be Uh, Opening up our Lobby Days event soon, you are required to be a member of NCIA to join our Lobby Days. Uh, However, I encourage you to look into it. And also, don't forget about our Seed to Sale show happening in Denver on January 31st and February 1st as well. The website is www.seedtosaleshow.com. Dot com, And Glenn, thank you so much again for joining us today and talking about what's going on in Maine and telling us a little bit more about your business, Canuvo, as well.
2: Happy to help, and I will see you out in Denver at the Seed to Sales show.
1: Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great afternoon.